What's up, everyone? Welcome to the 308th episode of the Pokemon Podcast. It's super effective. I'm your host, SBJ, and with me is Will. Yes, I am back from the Maryland Sheep and Wool Festival, otherwise shortened to the Mareep Wool Festival, and I need to start a GoFundMe for the amount of Mareep Wool that I purchased. I'm broke. Wait, is this a real festival? That you yeah. went to, yes, for for for, for crocheting and Bitten? knitting and getting and sewing meat. No sewing. That's no not sewing like involved. they're not. Those three aren't like in the same family of of. Needles. You do not. You do not sew with sheep products. So it's only has to do with things that you would get from sheep. But like all the aren't the three of them in like conjunction? No. But crocheting and knitting are, are are in bed together, right? Yes, they, they are yarn crafts. They would be associated with weaving, but oh, uh, not weaving. with, say, quilting or seam, seam sewing. I see. Yeah. No, you don't use yarn to sew. And you had a good time? I had a great time. Spent a ton of money. Saw some amazing yarns, obviously. Spent way too much money on amazing yarns, and I already have more yarn than I need, so... And my mom was here, so, you know, that's the... That was my happy Mother's Day. Then I didn't have to do anything today, because I already took care of it last weekend. See? You plan ahead, and your your future's open to you. Uh, This is Mother's Day we're recording. I had wedding stuff all weekend. I'm not going to spend too much time on it, but I I went to a cake testing, and then this morning I met with another photographer, which is why we're Recording this in the afternoon. Do you know you can buy like cakes at the grocery store? You're right. And I'm sure the grocery store doesn't charge you a cake cutting fee. Well, it's not no, like that. Certainly, the, certainly they don't. It's the venue that usually charges the cake cutting fee, not the, uh, the provider oh, of true. said cake. True, true. You know, if you had chocolate mousse instead of wedding cake, there'd be nothing to cut because you just kind of like... Scoop? scoop it out into a bowl. Scoop cutting fee? Scoop, scoop, wait. Uh, <laughs> scooping fee. It's the scooping fee. The old scoop, <laughs> scooperino fee. Lord, you know, if you just go to the courthouse and sign the paperwork, <laughs> you can save yourself so much money. Very true. You're not wrong. We have, uh, we have some Pokemon news to talk about. Not, not a whole bunch of news this week, but we got something. I can always dig. I can dig, that's for sure. And then we'll do some emails, and we'll do our Pokemon of the week. So we're in a we're in a little bit of a lull period, but uh, E3 is is upon us. I think it's what like uh, three weeks away, two weeks away. I don't have a calendar in front of me, but something like oh, that. That's still too far away. There's way that's way too far away. Of course, there's constant le- constant leaks, uh, but I hate using that word because they're not leaks because a leak would is- in- insinuate that it's true and it just uh, leaked early. I would say that there are just a lot of fakes going around about stuff. Yeah, my favorite memes are the uh, anyone can use Photoshop memes. <laughs> yeah, but we got some stuff to talk about in regards to that. I mean, we can we can kick off with with regards of a Pokemon Switch game. This is off comicbook.com. At a recent fan event at the Pokemon Center store in Tokyo, Masuda asked the crowd of fans if they owned a Nintendo Switch. He then encouraged those who didn't have the new Nintendo console to buy one. Whew, breaking. This is this is hot news right here. Wow, what could that mean? 
Masuda is a member of Game Freak's board of directors and has been involved with the development of almost every Pokemon game. He started off as a composer of uh, for the music heard in Pokemon games, but he has also directed and programmed the most recent Pokemon games. He's also part of a group that makes the final decisions on new Pokemon designs. It's not surprising that one of the head of Game Freak, uh, one of the heads of Game Freak, is encouraging fans to buy Nintendo Switch. After all, Game Freak and Nintendo have a strong working relationship due to their co-ownership of the Pokemon franchise, and the Switch is the hottest console right now. However, Masuda's company is currently working on a new set of Pokemon games for the Nintendo Switch, and fans quickly took Masuda's comment to mean that Pokemon Switch announcement is coming soon. Nintendo has previously stated Pokemon Switch games will come out in 2018 or later. I want to point out, before we continue this article, that they said this last E3. Correct. Which is the first time, really, that Pokemon was at an E3. Usually they announce before or after because they don't need the grand stage of E3. But um, it's kind of leaning more likely that they're going to probably show this at E3. That's my personal belief. But at any point, any comment about the Pokemon company will be interpreted as a sign that the Pokemon Switch games are coming soon. But there are a ton of uh, inside chatter that we could see a Pokemon announcement at E3. Even though Nintendo tr- traditionally avoids announcing Pokemon games during the annual gaming conference. Man, this, this writer is on the same page as me. They did, they did their history. E3 is about the latest uh, that Nintendo could announce the Pokemon games and market it in the same way in the past games have promoted. So many fans are certain that we'll get a big E3 uh, reveal this year. Of course, the fa- Pokemon fan base is an impatient lot. Oh, man, this guy is... Talking to me. Uh, is and he it's just, on point? He's on point. <laughs> and it's just possible that we won't get any Pokemon game this year. Game Freak is known for their uh, methodical pace. And they are they likely want to make sure the next Pokemon games make an impact, especially since they are the first games to be released for a household console. That's uh, all very true. I know there was maybe two, three weeks ago, everyone was like, we're going to find out what the date is, if it's going to be this year or next year, because there was obviously that investor meeting where they talked about some stuff and Pokemon was brought up. And the only thing that was said was 2018 or later, which is exactly what they said a year ago at E3. Um, They stuck to that again at the recent investor meeting. I don't have that in front of me, but that was like two, three weeks ago that they had that investor meeting. Typically we, we would have gotten, I mean, if we based anything on past games, and I've been a big advocate of in the last decade, Pokemon Company has been really not doing any patterns with most of their stuff. But for the last 20 years, they usually announce before E3, never at E3. But last year was the exception where they did announce at E3 with that real awkward video. Uh, and we are now at this point... Uh, Two, three weeks out from E3, so we could get something early, uh, or we could get it at E3, but I feel like if they miss, if they, if they don't announce 2018 at, in the next month, I don't think it's coming this year. And for me, that's, I agree with you. that's fine. Uh, I don't need a Pokemon game every year to enjoy the franchise, but some people really want it. Yeah, I I'm I'd be perfectly happy if they slow things down and actually do like spring 2019 and then make it like I would love spring. Hit the ball out of the park, home run, awesome 
you know, Pokemon on the Switch, everything you've ever, 97% of what you've ever dreamed about a Pokemon game could be on your television screen, people. And you can take to go, which is the, if I'm packing one or two things in my bag, I would rather pack my Switch at this point over my 3DS. Well, I brought my 3DS with me to PAX East and never took it out of my bag. Now did I? Well, the like, big, uh, the big thing for me when we traveled was the Street Pass stuff, but I completed all the puzzle pieces. Yeah, yeah, me too. I, I, I Not only did I complete all the puzzle pieces, I completed like all of the first set of hats and costumes and everything and the what was it like find me which was where yeah. you had to go on the adventure to save the save yourself the, prince, the princess and the king and like just like every game i completed and yeah that's i mean i like my 3ds and I, because of certain recent announcements i like it a little bit more i think i'm actually going to change the battery on it but I'm ready to move on. I've got that switch that's just collecting dust next to my television set. What an investment. <laughs> got to get in early. I bought it for one game. I played that one game. That one game was replaced by a different game and <laughs> it went to bed. <laughs> yeah, I'd be really okay with spring. Uh, honestly. Always felt like, oh, this is the thing we play over Thanksgiving and Christmas and stuff and kind of want to play other games over that period just i just want a different feeling i guess i i feel like uh black and white original black and white came out in like april so i'm you know that's what i kind of want to get back to like i think when when black and white 2 came around that's when they like shifted uh september for japan north america march 6th so yes you were right and that's the thing maybe they were just so used to doing it in the fall for japan and then like six months later for the states and then since they unified worldwide wide release dates that that everything shifted to the fall but um yeah i I wouldn't be crying if we uh june 23rd for japan for black and white 2 october 7th for north america black and white 2 yeah and then ever since it's been like october november yeah, so black and white two at least for black and white to black and white two at least for us was a little more than a almost eighteen months. Yep, a year plus six months. So that was like a good that was a good spatial time, I think. Yeah, and we got a lot of uh, we got a lot of work out of original black and white. This Speaking so of uh, black and white two, Will, I finished it. How'd that Nuzlocke go? Well, finished. <laughs> I mean, I I beat. I beat the Elite Four. Congrats. So I've I've done what 85% of Pokemon players do is beat the Elite Four and then don't ever touch postgame. I do plan on playing postgame, but I will say, I will say that I enjoyed Black and White 2 more than Black and White. Uh, and as much as I hate that Black and White is a game about N, they rarely use N in this game until the end. And when they do use N, I think it's very effective. Some would say super effective. Oh my. What I would certainly say, my my favorite moment of you playing Black and White 2, which mostly probably went unnoticed by most of the viewing population, is uh, when you were playing and approaching the Elite Four and talking to people in your stream chat about how you hadn't made it to the Elite Four yet, and you said, I'm not sure who the champion is. I think it's Iris. And I'm like... Do you not 
remember your own story from what was it five six years ago? Yeah, no, no, no. That was in to- that was that was, a, that was a ploy, right? Because if I confidently uh-huh. knew it uh-huh. was Iris, people would uh-huh. say yes. Sure, but the fact is, you had I the told, I told that story of- during the Iris. You, you you had the champion of Black and White 2 spoiled for you before you even started playing that game. <laughs> that is true. I remember, because it's one of my favorite stories. <laughs> Here's the thing, though. If I, if I confidently confirmed it was Iris, then people, like, people coming in and out of the chat would have been like, oh, yeah, these are the Pokemon she uses. Like, obviously, I know Iris is a dragon trainer. Yeah. It's, it, most of it was like, oh, I'm, I'm confident, but please, like, don't tell me. I don't remember like caitlin was one of them she was psychic i think yeah she, she was in black, black and white okay well. she was in a yeah. black and white and then there was um uh the poison guy who's in sun and moon the beach guy mantine surf yes i can't remember his grimsley? name ever grimsley Grim- yes grimsley no he's not poison he's dark dark correct his gym remind me of poison because it had those giant like purple spikes up the stairs yeah, it kind of has like a ghosty feel to it, but then it turns out he's not ghost. Yeah, Chantel is the ghost. She was pretty cool. Uh, and then the last guy was uh, the fighting dude, Blake Grant. Grant. No, not Grant. Grant's uh, X and Y. I can't remember his name. It was like cool to not be spoiled of like what these what these Elite Four members had and like walking into their rooms and trying to figure out like, oh, what type is this? Like, I definitely thought Grimsley was poison just based on its ro- his his room. And then the fighting guy I thought was like electric or steel because it was like inside a giant cage. I was yeah, like, it was like a just... UFC cage. Yeah, it was like a UFC cage. I was like, is this steel? I guess it was good. Yeah, I like how like N showed up at the end. I actually really, really liked that you resolve the bad guy storyline after the eighth gym, but before the Elite Four. I thought that was cool because I feel like most Pokemon games, maybe I'm wrong or misremembering, but I know definitely in X and Y. You resolve the Team Flare stuff before the 8th gym. And the Team Flare stuff was such a grind compared to the uh, the Team Plasma stuff. I thought the Team Plasma... I th- the one thing I will say about Black and White 2 and why I actually really enjoyed it, especially coming hot off the heels of Crystal, is the pacing in that game is perfect. Like, every, like, the gym leaders feel like the right levels. The trainers on the path feel like the right levels. The Pokemon you find in the grass feels like the right levels. Like, even... I always feel like once you beat the 8th gym leader and you're going to the Elite Four, like, everyone on that route is is just a pushover. Like, they're way under level. They have Pokemon that don't give you experience. They don't really give you, like... They're just easy. And I was getting frustrated trying to get to the Elite Four in black and white, too. Not because the route was uh, long or wrong. It was because every trainer on that route had good strategy. And they were actually the appropriate level of what they should be to get you ready for the Elite Four. It, like, the entire game had actually really, really, really good pacing compared to... Uh, as much as I like X and Y, the pacing in that game is really off of, like... There's this huge gap between Gym 1 and Gym 2, and then, like, it kind of evens out after that, and then all of a sudden you're doing, like, three gyms in a row, and then there's this huge gap because of Team Flare, and then you're back to gyms, and there's more Team Flare, and then you're back to gyms, and there's more Team Flare. (laughs) 
Team Flair sucks. They have to be the worst team, I think, out of everything. Uh, I I might actually agree with you because their whole like intent was was real dubious. I I couldn't figure out exactly what they were trying to accomplish. Was it like a world with no people and only Pokemon, or a world with no Pokemon and only people, or 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 what? And I will. <laughs> hmm. I do like that you have to pay to be in Team Flare. I think that's very like that is very good on like a cult level of like. Hey, it's not a cult thing unless you want it to be. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's what that, I heard. That, that is a cool concept. Uh, I'm very excited to see post game because I know once you beat Black and White 2, there's like four cities you've never went to. Like the starting city, three cities that you start with in Black and White, you don't even go to them during the normal story. So that I think that's really exciting to like, oh, I want. I don't even remember what those towns are called. I know Lenora is one of, one of those towns. I remember one's your hometown. So I'm very yeah, and there's the a whole game. like water island area that you have you can navigate around and meet all kinds of interesting people. I'm excited. I I always put like black and white as like my least favorite, but after taking off my nostalgia glasses of Johto and giving black and white another chance, oh we put, we put in Johto at the bottom. Wow, you have had a lot of harsh criticism of Johto lately. I have noticed that. Well, the, when everyone says they like they they think they say Johto's their favorite, they all they always say this. They always go two regions, and they always go red at the end. But like those two points never mention why Johto itself is special. Like, oh, you like this game because there's an extra region, a region that is empty and dull, and that you've already been to, and that's very shallow because it was just added on quickly, and red. At the end of the game, which I think a lot of people forget that Red, at the end of that game, in Mount Silver, has level 80 Pokemon. There's only one Elite Four in in the Johto region, uh, and they cap out at 55, I believe Lance does. And the cave of Mount Silver, which has the most powerful Pokemon, the strongest Pokemon there is level 54 and is a Parasect, which doesn't pay out a bunch of experience. So literally nothing in that game is stronger than Lance is. Uh, maybe Blue. You, can, you can't battle Blue multiple times, uh, though. You can battle the Elite Four multiple times. So literally, you have nothing to grind between 55 and 83, because I think that's what the Pikachu is at. So like for 30 levels, it's like, well, I hope you like the Elite Four, because you're going to be doing this for until you grind 30 levels over and over. <laughs> Which is just what terrible. What about that lucky egg, man? What about the lucky egg? I guess lucky egg. And then people were like, but heart gold, soul silver. And I was like, that's not fair. Like, if you're going to compare, like, X and Y and Sun and Moon and Diamond and Pearl, like, those games didn't get remakes. I, when, I, when I'm thinking about Gen 3, I'm not thinking about Omega, Ruby, Alpha, Sapphire. Even though a lot of people love those games, like, you got to put every Pokemon game on, like, a fair playing field if you're comparing just base regions themselves. Heart gold, soul silver good but they don't fix all the problems that original johto had and i get it it's like aged and stuff but when people always talk about like oh crystal's my favorite game it's like they never ever mention things specifically about johto well and you got the towers right the two towers or the one tower like i'll tell you right now like jasmine's one of my favorite characters in johto like i think her little story arc is very good you got the pseudo wudo uh, I like the pseudo widow. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Speaking of sun and moon, 
If you like Team Skull, you can go over to PokemonCenter.com and they added a bunch, a new line of Team Skull products. Team Skull grunts love to wear t-shirts in Ultra Sun, Ultra Moon. The Alola region has tropical weather after all. There's no easy way to nail the look than the new Team Skull relaxed fit t-shirt from the Pokemon Center. Has the iconic style of the shirt. Puts uh, the group's logo on the front uh, with a in the form of a foil necklace graphic. Yeah, otherwise known as ruining the shirt. I just... <laughs> Why couldn't they just like sell the jewelry as a piece of jewelry and sell the shirt as a shirt and you can buy both or you can buy one, you know? Oh, that yeah, made me so mad. They literally sell you the necklace. Why put a fake necklace on the shirt? Wait, is the necklace for sale? When I looked, it wasn't there. Yeah. No, the necklace is for sale. You have to buy it with the bandana set. I want a bandana. I just want a necklace. Scroll over here so you can get... The team, it's called the Team Skull Accessory Kit, Beanie, Bandana, Necklace, and Wristbands. Comes with a hat, comes with a bandana, comes with a necklace, comes with a bunch of stickers, comes with wristbands, and then it comes with a little, like, box that holds a Team Skull pin, I think. This this does not look like a quality piece of jewelry that I want to wear. Why did they put the necklace on the shirt? I hate it. I don't want the necklace. I hate it as well. They also are selling socks. They're selling the Pikachu Team Skull uh, plush. They're selling the a Team Skull messenger bag, which I don't know if this is like, uh, is this Timbuktu? They've partnered with Timbuktu before, but it doesn't look like it. Uh, I mean, it's a messenger bag, but yeah, it doesn't look like super high quality. So $80 for messenger bag is asking a lot, too. They are selling, though, the Team Skull Guzma, Guzma, however you say it, half-sleeve hoodie. I've never, I've had one half-hoodie in my life, and I kind of liked it. I like it, too. Well, except it's got the big Team Skull design on the back. It's it's too big. That's kind of my thing. It's like, they should have made it a little smaller. And what is it made out of? Uh, Is it cotton? 60 60. cotton, 40 polyester? Come on, now. Come on. I do like the the sleeve design, though. Um, It it looks like a cool hoodie, but I don't... 70 bucks for a hoodie is... $70, and it's not even 100% cotton. Also, you're missing half your sleeves. Cut me some slack here, Pokemon Center. (laughs) Wow, I know. Well, they put that material up for the hood, you see. Oh, right, right, right. And then Do you notice solid... how the model is like not facing forward in any of the photos? Well, they're like you... Team Skull. They can't, you know, they gotta... Who are their models? Do you think they work for Pokemon, or do you think they actually hire real models? No, nah, they have a company that's doing the product photography for them. They just send a oh. bunch of product to a photo studio, and they're like, model it up, dudes. <laughs> you, you got our vibe. Uh, and there's some Team Skull socks as well on there if you are a sock collector but they're just like black oh they've got the team skull symbol on them it's just inside your shoe i'm just like right it's just so black socks no one will ever see tops. It, unless you you take your shoes off at somebody's house you know there's some um, people that like never take their socks off those people do exist that's me well i take my oh. socks off before bed i don't sleep with socks on in bed i think that's there weird. are some people who like literally will wear their socks to bed i oh i'm so disturbed 
I feel I think I feel like we've had a Twitter poll about this of who wears socks in bed and who doesn't. Irene will sometimes fall asleep with her socks on in bed. Or maybe she Irene will sometimes does it. fall asleep while eating a creamsicle. So this that, is yep. like no news to anyone. So I, I have to rip the socks off because uh, it bothers me when her socks are on. Uh, some other news here is we talked about this last week, but Xerneas and Yvatel are available at GameStop May 4th through May 27th. Uh, <laughs> Al commented, I knew he was going to. When I was reading the Bulbapedia news press release that they, they put Ireland and the UK together as one, but I think Al was like, we don't even have those stores in Ireland. It doesn't make sense. Treat us like an, our own country. Well, Al wouldn't say it that way as he doesn't live in Ireland, but we understand what you're trying to get across. Yeah. I, I think it's that like Ireland has GameStop, but the UK has Game because Game. nothing stops in the UK. Um, I talked about the moves last week, but you have till May 27th to get this. I was totally at GameStop two days ago. Not at GameStop. I walked past it like three times because I was playing Pokemon Go and I totally forgot to go in. Yeah, not hard to do. <laughs> not hard to not go in. We talked about all these news. All right. We'll probably spend a little bit of time on this. Pokemon Go Fest tickets sold out, but we will talk about that after our break and then we'll do some emails and we'll do our Pokemon of the week so we will be right back we did it this episode of It's Super Effective is brought to you by Soylent Soylent is a brand meal replacement available in the US it is named after the science fiction novel Make Room Make Room I know a lot of people make Soylent green jokes but we are officially partnered with Soylent now which is really, really exciting. I enjoy their product. I talked about it enough on ISC. And now you can save 50% off your first order of Soylent by going to the link that is in the show notes. I don't know what the link is actually off the top of my head because it's slash letter to letter, number to letter. But if you are interested in trying Soylent, my favorite flavor is the chocolate flavor, which is called cacao. I also really like cafe vanilla if you are looking for something with caffeine. Each Soylent product contains a complete blend of what your body needs, including 20 grams of plant-based protein and 20% of your daily vitamins and minerals. Soylent turns a full meal into a one-step process and takes eating off your plate. Again, if you want to save 50% off your first order of Soylent, you can go into the podcast description on your phone or whatever device you are using to listen to this and click that link and you will automatically save 50% off your first order. And we are back. Will. Yes, sir. Pokemon Go Fest. Yes. One of the opportunities every year I get to see you. If I if I go, yes. <laughs> I'm not legally required to attend Pokemon Go Fest. That's but true. I will you, be there. You are an avid Pokemon Go player. Uh, I am the opposite of an avid Pokemon Go player. So good. that's what makes our Pokemon <laughs> Go segment so so good. You are you are the most. I mean, casual. I turned it on in the past week just in case I needed to do something before I got tickets for Pokemon Go Fest, which I didn't do. So <laughs> all right. So, uh, okay, so this is off Forbes. There's a, probably a bunch of articles, but I'm, I pulled a Forbes one here. They, they need the views, Forbes. They're, they're really dying for hits. Sarcasm. Now, if you don't know what happened, uh, we'll try to make this quick. 
At 9 a.m. PST, tickets for the second annual Pokemon Go Fest went on sale. About a half hour later, they sold out. This game may not be as quite as popular as it was in its heyday, but moments like this shows it still has a sizable and commit, committed fan base eager to travel to Chicago for a for unique catches. At least that's the ideal situation. The website started having technical problems the moments the tickets went live, uh, indicating a strong presence of purchasing bots that are now moving their wares to resell sites like eBay. I tried. Uh, I started to try to buy tickets exactly at 9 a.m. and managed to get past as far as the page allowed me to select an entrance which I was buying the ticket and which entrance I wanted to use. That's that's all I ever saw. However, the page hang, hung up on that screen for several minutes before locking me out entirely. I tried different browsers, my phone, but no luck. Plenty of other people on social media reporting similar results with uncomfortable reminders of last year. Key point. The last year, I at least was able to buy a ticket. That's irrelevant. Clearly, some people uh, were able to buy tickets. Clearly, excuse me, sir. You are not like the other writer of comicbook.com that I agree with. But after about a half hour of trying to get the page <laughs> load, Niantic announced that the event was sold out. The first tickets I saw managed to make their way to eBay for $396, a significant markup of the asking price for $20. I'm sure it was multiple tickets, buddy. Niantic tried to limit this sort of behavior by only allowing people to buy six tickets at a time. Last year was eight, by the way. But bots are increasingly sophisticated and difficult to fool. I still have faith that Pokemon Go Fest itself will be better than last year's. Not only is that a low bar, but several basic changes that Niantic is making should help elevate last year's problems, particularly holding the event along a 1.8 mile track in the course of over two days. Still, these early technical issues don't feel great, and it's increasingly clear that a sizable portion of people Walking around Chicago might have well paid up to $200 for their $20 tickets. Okay. I got a lot to say about this. First, let's, let's address the eBay issue. Because Will and I were there talking to the representatives of Niantic in the media lounge last year. That they said they sold 30,000 tickets. So we know that they sold more tickets this year. Because it's a two-day event. So let's just assume they did 20,000 people for both days. That, that would be my Wait, guess. So not only is it a two-day event, but it's a two-day event in a larger space because Lincoln Park, from what I could tell from Google Maps, is probably minimum twice the size of Millennium Park. It's, yeah, it's a, it's a much bigger park. Let's just say they only sold 30,000 tickets this year. I checked eBay because I knew this conversation would come up. There were 111 Specific auctions at the end of the day on eBay when I'd searched for Pokemon Go Fest. I will say about 20 of those 111 were not actually tickets. They were like badges from last year or, you know, the little uh, iron on patch that you got for attending or, you know, just swag and postcards and stuff. So we'll round it back up to 100. Let's just say that all 100 of those eBay auctions so 100 unique auctions on ebay let's just say all 100 of those have six tickets each and i will tell you right now the majority did not most of them were for two tickets that's 600 tickets on ebay out of 30,000 tickets yeah it's about 600 is about two percent of 30,000 okay and we're assuming that every that that's assuming that they sold only 30,000 and that each person on ebay is selling six tickets which is not the case that's not a lot also, please point me to an event that has never been scalped before. I'm sure there are some, 
but <laughs> I was just going to say visiting the Vatican with an audience of the Pope, possibly. <laughs> is that a ticketed event? Heck yeah, it is. Um, visit, visiting the White House. Do we have to get tickets for that, Will? I got your tickets for that, and then you guys couldn't get your stuff together. You should have scalped them. Ugh, that's not how it works. Remember we had to do a background check for those? I think, uh, I think PAX is a good example, though. Like, PAX East sold, uh, sells out within about two hours. They don't announce ahead of time what, what the time and date is for that because they are purposely trying to avoid scalpers and people getting ready to buy as many tickets and sell. But I think PAX is a really good example of an event that a lot of people want to go to. It's an established event that's been happening for, what, over 10 years now? They sell a lot. They sell way more than 30,000 tickets, and those four-day passes sell out within two hours every single year. And that event is still pretty heavily scalped. It's, it's, it's no surprise if you walk through those doors at PAX, there's about five or six, maybe even more people asking if you're buying or selling tickets. Uh, not only the whole eBay thing. Um, there's plenty of concerts that have this issue. There are solutions to this, of course. But I don't know why people are surprised. Like, I don't know why this is newsworthy of being like, these tickets are on eBay. Because every single event, probably besides the Vatican and the Pope, have some sort of scalping system. Not scalping system, but somebody's going to buy tickets for the sole purpose of reselling tickets. I I agree. I, I don't think that it's scalpers that are the problem. I, I have another idea of what the actual problem is. So 1% of tickets went on to eBay. I saw a lot of tweets of like, I couldn't get in and I couldn't, I couldn't buy tickets. No one was able to buy tickets. And that, that also blows me away of like, no one was able to buy tickets. What? Clearly, somebody was able to buy tickets. They sold out. Somebody <laughs> bought those tickets. And I can already tell you that at most, 2% went to scalpers. But I honestly don't think it was that many because I guarantee you they sold more than 30,000. I bet they sold at least if, if they like the more that they've sold than 30,000, the lower that scalper number gets. If they sold 40,000, we're at 1%. If they sold 50,000, we're at like a half a percent. If they sold 60,000, which is double what they do last year, we're at like 0.25% went to scalpers. That's so tiny. Well, let's even even if we estimate that there are like other venues that the tickets will be scalped on because eBay is not the only option out there. There is the dark web. Um, I wouldn't say that it could possibly be more than like 5% of the tickets would be going to scalpers or be, be, have been sold to and resold by scalpers. So it's, it's not the majority of the tickets out there. Definitely. The other thing is the website. Okay. So before we get to solutions to this, cause we're experts obviously on this, in this topic. Uh, the other thing is the site not working. Clearly the site worked. They sold out in 47 minutes. There was probably a lot more than 30,000 people trying to buy tickets. And so the, the other complaints I saw was, why, why didn't Niantic build the site better to handle this? And I would love to hear your opinion, but my opinion is that they do this, at, uh, so far, they do this once a year, and it has never lasted more than an hour. So I don't know why you would build your site to handle traffic that lasted for exactly 47 minutes last year it was about 27 minutes but but wait a minute number one niantic did not build the site this was <laughs> this was tickets.com wasn't it no it was 
uh, it wasn't Ticketfly. It wasn't Ticketmaster. No, it, it was, was not Ticketmaster. Which well, another it, complaint was like, why don't they go through Ticketmaster? And Ticketmaster is designed for scalpers. It is not designed for users. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, let's make that clear. If they went to Ticketmaster, that would have been a worse situation because Ticketmaster is not designed for customers. It is designed for scalpers. They they did contract it out to a professional ticketing company, and I will give you a number one reason why this whole argument of whatever, why didn't they do it better, is wrong. You did not get a 404, a 405 resource not available error. Yes, the servers were slow on processing requests and everything, but the the site never went down. So they were scaled. It's just that on the actual purchasing part that people were taking too long. To, you know, you had a 10-minute window uh, to purchase your tickets. Would you want to have a five-minute window? That's not fair. For people who are not as speedy at entering their data, come on, not everybody can has their credit card number memorized and everything like that. You need a little bit of time to get your stuff together for, for paying for the tickets. So I, I think that there was a balance there, and, and they met the balance. Um, I, I, I think they met the expectations I would have had for that company. The other thing I bring up is is like Apple or Google. These are two of the four most powerful tech companies in the world. Facebook is an, Facebook is the other one. Amazon is the fourth one, if you're curious. Amazon and Google have the same exact issue when they launch a new phone, whether that's the, what is Google's phone called, the Nexus, or did they change it? But uh, um, No, it starts with a P, but yeah. And then, well, they started with the Nexus. I think they changed it. I'm sorry, I'm not up on Google phones, but Apple launches the iPhone, and even something like the Apple Watch or the iPad. This is a tech company selling tech stuff, Apple specifically. I don't care if you don't like Apple. That doesn't make the point irrelevant. Apple has been selling iPhones for 10 years. Every time they launch a new iPhone, people complain that they can't buy it or it's sold out or they should have had more phones in stock. Apple probably sells on day one more than 30,000 phones. (laughs) Um, So they have a lot more customers going to their site. They scale properly. It still sells out. They that and somebody somebody came back and was like, well, Apple has more phones. Like, you can buy the phone next week. You're absolutely right. But you're avoiding the main complaint of people. The, the complaint here is people had issues buying tickets. People have issues buying phones. Don't try to bring a different argument into this of Apple always going to bring me more phones. You're right. If Niantic had many dates, you could try for a different date. But the core issue is still the same. People have trouble purchasing said item they want because a bunch of other people are trying to do the same thing. This is not new. This is not. This is exactly what happened last year. This has happened years prior to this to other companies, for other products, for other events. Why can the is the Pokemon Go community not see that? Like, like, do they not get outside their house? You would think they do because they're playing <laughs> a game that involves them to get outside of their house. But these issues have existed for decades. <laughs> So do you want to do you want to hear what my guesstimation of what the actual problem is and and you know why it sold out and and everything like that? I believe that there are many people who not scalpers, regular people who just max out and they're like even if I don't know right now five other people who are going to want to go to Pokemon Go Fest, I'm going to get the six tickets because I got in. Right. And I will find the five other people. I would do the same thing. Or resell them. I, I, you, 
I know very well you would do the same thing because you told me to do that, <laughs> right? And obviously not my personal philosophy, right? I, I got through. I had six tickets for Sunday up on my screen and we all decided in our group text, right, that we were going to do Saturday. I backed out. I said, I'm not going to sit on these tickets. I'm not going to buy these tickets. I just backed out and I was able to get, my coworker was able to get in and, and buy a ticket. Fine. Hooray. He bought one ticket. But I think that there are just tons and tons of people who are like, I'm going to get, I got through. I know what happened last year. I'm probably going to have friends who aren't going to get through. So I'm going to max out, get all six. And, and there you go. It's that, that killed the system right there. That's how you get sold out. And I can, I would wager like a nickel that in probably, what is it? Four weeks. So four weeks will be mid June. There may be an announcement of like tickets have gone, become available because there's going to be a bunch of people who don't fulfill on the, uh, linking trainer accounts to the tickets that were purchased, and those tickets are going to go back on the market. I have a feeling that they're going to be available again, too. Because, like you said, what we didn't talk about is before they ship your passes out, your wristbands, uh, this year you have to assign them to actual trainer IDs um, in order to link them properly. And I think it says on the website, if you don't assign a name to the wristband before it ships, uh, we will cancel that ticket. I'm assuming they'll refund your money, um, which, because it, they, I guess they could not choose to refund your money, but they're, they're not, they're not going to win against a credit card charge back in that situation. Yeah, they did clearly say no refunds, though. Yeah, but they're not going to, they won't win a credit card charge back for canceling your ticket and not refunding your money. <laughs> There's no credit card company that won't fight that. I, yeah, I think there, I think there will be a second wave, but you got in easily, your coworker got in easily. Micah got in easily, and so this was this was something we planned because I knew this was going to happen. I don't live under a rock. I knew that people were going to struggle to get in. I knew the event was going to sell out. I knew it was going to be there was going to be an opportunity for me not to get in, even though I was using two different devices on two different internets. One was just AT and T's LTE, and the other was my personal Wi-Fi. I knew that there was still a high possibility that I wouldn't get past that initial gate. Once you get to checkout, you're fine because you see that 10-minute counter, you're safe for 10 minutes. Last year, I got in instantly on two devices. I was able to buy my tickets, check out. I was done in less than two minutes last year. This year, I was I couldn't get in, but I believe it was... Did you try last year? I have, I can't remember who I, I was... I did not try last year. I can't, no. be, I can't remember who I was talking with last year, but they couldn't get in. Um, and that situation was reversed on me. And that's why I had Micah get ready. That's why I had you get ready. That's why I had, uh, one other friend try to get ready just in case, like there's, we need six tickets. It doesn't matter who gets in, whoever gets in, just buy the six tickets and let's go. And that was Micah this year. So they did announce though, that if you bought a Saturday and Sunday ticket, you've wasted $20 because when you try to go on Sunday, you will be blocked out of that. Yes, correct. Uh, which is good. I do like that it is. I, I like. I, I do like what they're doing. I like that it's a two-day event. I like that both events are exactly the same. I like how this gives opportunity to more people. So I think that's really good. The special Pokemon that is going to be there is Torkoal. Torkoal is from the uh, India region. I don't know if it's just specifically India or some of the countries around it, but Torkoal will be the spawn. And we saw once one 
unown letter, which was the letter B. So anytime unown are in a space, they spell something. Interesting. My guess is maybe Celebi, because that's the only word that has a B in it. My other guess is brown, but that doesn't sound appealing. But Lincoln Park is right next to the brown line um, in Chicago. No, 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 no. I I reject that. I don't like that one either, but I'm trying to think of B words in that area because I before I saw the letter unknown B, I would have guessed that it would spell Lincoln. Cubs. Cubs? That's really Isn't short. That a Chicago baseball team? Yeah, but the, they're not near Lincoln Park. They're they're very they're south of Grant Park. I I don't I'm just Chicago is not my favorite place on this planet as I've explained <laughs> previously. So they're forcing me to go back there again. Why couldn't this be in D.C.? We've got parks on parks in this city. Uh, there was an interview with John Hankey. He did say that the reason they wanted to do Chicago is because they wanted to prove that they can do Chicago. I think they'll be able to. There was an event after Pokemon Go Fest. There was a lot of events after Pokemon Go Fest that people seem to forget about. Uh, one of them was Pikachu Outbreak in Japan. That was a five-day event. And they had 5 million unique Pokemon Go players play at that event over the five-day period. No one had issues. 5 million to 30,000. Very drastically different in numbers, in my opinion. Of course, the event space was bigger. They had more time to plan. It was over five days. But those are still very different numbers. They had all the stuff in Europe with the Pokemon Safari Zone. All of that stuff went flaw-free. They did confirm that every cell provider will be bringing cows. You want to explain what a cow is, Will? Well, it's a cell on wheels, obviously. Obviously. Um, it's just a cell tower that you can pull behind a truck and set up and connect into the wired telephone network. So you get service wherever you are. You can expand your service coverage area. That was the super shocking thing. Like when, when I remember when you first got to Pokemon Go Fest, you looked for cows and you were like, there's no cows here. There were no cows anywhere. I think Sprint had one. Like, that Boost Mobile Sprint booth was a cow. I mean, it's possible, but you'd want to see, like, a, a, a kind of a tower-looking thing somewhere. I think they'll be able to do the event. I don't think the event will be a failure. And if the event is the failure, it sounds like Sunday might be the better day. <laughs> they'll mess up on Saturday. And then... Yeah, uh, they'll fix it. So, the ticketing situation. So, some people are like, why don't they use Ticketmaster? Why don't they use these other sites? Those take a fee. The other argument is, why don't you just let me log into my trainer account in my app and let me purchase a ticket that way? And I think my response to that is, if you're a family and you have kids, you would need their login or their phone to be able to log into their account and purchase their ticket because it would be linked to their ID, which... Any person on any adult on a Friday, Irene is at her job, I'm at my job. I don't want Irene's login to her Pokemon Go. She might not be able to log in at that time to buy a ticket. Like, it's a very messy situation, and I don't think it it makes it easier to buy tickets. It might make it easier for you specifically, but as somebody, as somebody who plans to go with a group of friends... Like, it would suck if I was able to get a ticket through my phone, you were able to get a ticket through your phone, but Irene couldn't get a ticket through her phone, whereas, like, in the, the situation that happened and always seems to happen is you're either buying six tickets or you're not for your group. Like, I feel like that is not a good system to do. On top of that, 
Anytime you do an in-app purchase, so if they were to offer the tickets through the device, Apple and Google take their cut. Any in-app purchases inside an app, they take a cut. They could probably work with Google and Apple to get around that, and they maybe they'll do that in the future. But I, I don't know if I like that that situation of like, let me just log into the app and buy a ticket. No, I I agree. I I just think it's not feasible. I I just I I agree that it's not feasible, especially for for parents of children. And you know, there is some intent that children are playing this game. So, you know, it's it's family oriented. It's not individual oriented. Now, if I can log into my app and buy, you know, a limit of four tickets for a family of four, that'd be great. That'd be cool. But that still doesn't stop a scalper because you would have to, like, you're still assigning, like, like I like the fact that they, like, once you buy the tickets, you have to assign people to the tickets before they ship. I like that. You were able to buy it in the app. You could do the same thing. But that still doesn't stop, stop a scalper because all the scalper has to do is get your get your trainer ID assign your specific name to that and then there you go you got your ticket they got their money so like that doesn't stop it all this stops is families getting screwed over to buy the tickets to the app although like the system of while it is good while you like you can assign your names to it the scalpers win in that situation too because if the scalpers can't if they buy six tickets and they can't assign said ticket to a person's name after the ebay auction is over or the craigslist thing is over their tickets get canceled and the scalpers just get their money back. And I know it says no refunds, but again, no credit card company is going to be like, no credit card company is going to fight for their money back in that situation. Because any scalpers using a credit card because they're smart and credit card companies will always get their money back. That's true. But we got six tickets. We got media passes. So we should be okay. Well, they will see us there. That is true. (laughs) Are you excited? I mean, it's going to be fun. I, I I had a great time last year just hanging out with everybody and, you know, ca- catching some Pokemons and walking around and complaining about not being able to catch Pokemon <laughs> and playing the did you get in game and, and I mean, talking to other like Pokemon media people, um, you know, just about what was going on and, and meeting people and stuff. That That's what I enjoy is talking to people and, and hanging out. Yeah, no, I I mean, we said it last year on our podcast, I thought, even though, like, the event was a failure, I still had a lot of fun. So the question is, are we going to be in Chicago until 1 o'clock in the morning again? Because I'm going to need so. a heck of a lot of coffee. I hope so. I don't, I, I don't know. I don't know what the day will uh, entail. I also don't know what the day entails for, like, a media person, because if the second day locks you out, I mean, I'm going to do my job and report on the on the day but also i do want to be a player and play you know what i mean yeah i mean that's you know do a little of both as best you can we will see people there that's for sure uh and it'll be really exciting uh i'm curious of how how they i'm curious if they will pick a new city next year uh i do think i certainly hope so see i don't and i i i have the easy answer out where like i'm on, i'm 90 minutes away from chicago but like it's pretty cheap to fly central, like to fly to the Midwest. It's kind of expensive, not only to fly to California, but hotels there are expensive. Same hey, with New hey, York. Hey, I didn't say California. Same with uh-uh, New York, uh-uh. though. Like New York hotels are significantly more expensive than like Midwestern stuff. And to fly, like 
For me, it's not that big of a deal because I am centralized, so I can fly in either direction, although flying to the the West Coast is a little more expensive. But, like, imagine a bunch of people from California trying to fly to Florida or vice versa, a bunch of people from uh, Georgia flying to Seattle. Like, those are significantly more expensive flights than just people flying centrally to Chicago or even maybe Indiana. My vote is Cincinnati. I feel like they should treat it like a PAX. Well, I've I've also saw people get upset of like, well, this sucks. It's why is it never in our city? Why isn't it closer to us? But like, you can make the same arguments about Comic Con. Like, why is Com- why is Comic Con always in San Diego? Why is you PAX- mean San Diego Comic Con? <laughs> yeah, but, or like why why is PAX always in Seattle? And it's like because that's that's the convention. That's that's the place. If you want to go there, you go there. The only difference with like something like PAX or like Comic-Con, which is, I think, run by ReadPop, is they have multiple locations. Pokemon Go is not even two years old yet, and so maybe they will have like summer in Chicago always, and fall in Idaho always, and spring in Florida always. Like I would like to see that instead of just moving one event. If, that, if that's my choice... Move one event every summer or just add more events for seasons to different locations and keep those stagnant. I'd rather have more more locations. Yeah, I think that's fair. It's it's then some people can travel to some and not to others, and that's fine. It works out. And also like as as a company, I think it's easier just to pick one city and deal with it. <laughs> like Chicago probably not only treated them extremely well last year. Uh, they will probably continue to treat them well because they want that money. And that's probably why a lot of conventions stay in the cities they are and not try to move. Like Gen Con signed, what, a 10-year plan with downtown Indiana? Downtown Indianapolis? Uh, Because that city always treated them really well. And you kind of see it when you go to Gen Con. Like those shops, those restaurants, those surrounding um, entertainment venues... They all know what to expect when Gen Con is there. And that's because they have that established history. So, like, moving such a big event to another city, it's like, all right, none of these restaurants know what to expect. None of these restaurants have geared up more staff. This is all lousy. Whereas, like, if you have an established event in a location for multiple years, that city gets so accustomed and it just makes it a more enjoyable event outside of the event itself. Yes. That's it. That's Pokemon Go Fest. We'll probably have some... Probably won't need to talk about it unless some other news comes up, but I think the only other news is there probably will be tickets for sale again. That'd be my guess when uh, all these all these orders get canceled because they're, they don't have assigned names. We'll be right back. One more break, and we will talk about uh, our Pokemon of the Week, and we'll do a couple emails, so we will be right back. Defriars are a lot of work. Well, yeah, but you're talking about the, this will happen in a chippy. Chippy. Slow down, Al. What's a chippy? It's a shop where you can buy chips. So the chippy And we are back from our break. I forgot a bit of news, Will. I can't believe it. There was so little. How did you miss a piece? I know, right? We got some TCG news here. Uh, The latest 
expansion of the Pokemon trading card game Forbidden Light releases today. This was May 4th, so just about a week ago. The intense light emanating from Ultra Necrozma GX has attracted other Pokemon, including Lucario GX, Greninja GX, Zygarde GX, Yvetel GX, Co- Vol- I almost said Volcarona, Volcanion Prism Star, Arceus Prism Star. But will they be able to resist its allure? The Sun and Moon expansion Forbidden Light includes 130 new cards. Five new Prism Star cards, eight new Pokemon GX, six Ultra Beast, 15 trainer cards, and two special energy cards. Uh, what is a Prism Star? Uh, a Prism Star card is like a, uh, what is that? What was uh, that one card? Oh, is it like an ace spec where you can yeah, only have one in your deck? Spec, okay. Yeah, I think you're allowed to have one of each, though. Like, you can have... One, I could be wrong because I haven't played with the Prism card sets. I think, like, if it's five new Prism cards, you can have all five Prism cards in your deck, just one of each of them, I think. Okay, that's reasonable. Each booster pack contains ten cards from the expansion, including at least one rare card plus one basic energy. The new, Lyca, the new expansion also includes two new theme decks featuring Alolan Executor and a Twilight Rogue deck featuring Lycanroc. Um, and then additionally, Pokemon Duel has reached 34 million downloads. <laughs> Gotta tack that on to this press release, but... <laughs> uh, but yeah, there was some new TCG stuff, which is cool. Uh, I think the Necrozma, Necrozma GX and Malamar is the hot new deck. Uh, it plays exactly like Rayquaza, uh, Electric. I don't know if you remember Ray Eels. I certainly do, because the, the, you would get the electric and not evolve them to Electros, because for every electric on your bench, you could place a, an electric energy uh, or something like that. Yep, uh, Malamar does the same thing, just a psychic energy instead of electric. And then Necrozma's, Necrozma GX's move is exactly like Rayquaza's, which was for every psychic energy you discard, it does like 80 damage, but then you put like a different energy on, so that energy stays, and then you discard all the psychic, you Malamar them all to a different Necrozma, you switch. Very, very similar. So There you go. There's some TCG stuff for you. Let's do a couple emails here. We have a few. All right, this one is from Nathan from Hackettstown, New Jersey. Hey guys, long time fan, been wondering two things. What is your favorite Pokemon game? And two, you had a Pokemon in real life, what would it be? That's not that hard to answer. My favorite Pokemon game is Pokemon Ranger original. Uh, and if I had a Pokemon in real life this week, it would be a Mareep, so I could get all that sweet, sweet electrified wool to <laughs> knit and crochet with. <laughs> and not have to spend up to, say, $500 on wool. A favorite Pokemon game is Ultra Sun, Ultra Moon. And if I were to have a Pokemon in real life, hmm, I think like a Talonflame would be pretty cool. Nah, you love cats, dude. You need that Lipard. Nah, I'm thinking of something like I need something to fly. And I'm always cold, so Talonflame would keep me warm. Plus, like, could cook my food. There's multiple uses here. Talonflame's not cooking no food for you? It could? Could What, are you going to hold a hot dog over its head? (laughs) Possibly. 
No, that Maybe. bird's not going to sit still and and be disrespected like that. T- Talonflame's got some honor and pride. Wait, no, it's I, not your cancel Talonflame. Range. The Fletchingler, not Fletchling, the one in the middle is way cooler. Fletchinder? Yeah, he's way cooler than Talonflame. How is that possible? What do you mean? How is it possible? He just looks cooler. No, he doesn't. He looks real cool. Ugh. Is he even a fire type? Is he Yet? even a fire type? Yeah. Yeah, he's a fire type, I think, at that point. Well, how sad you'll be when you find out you're, he's still not going to sit still for your hot dogs and marshmallows he's a, he's and s'mores and such. He's a little bit smaller, so my worry is I don't know if he'll be able to carry me. Uh, dude, you weigh like 105 pounds. You've got nothing to worry about. This is from Brandon from New York, New York. Says, hello, ISE team. I am an actor slash writer from Wisconsin. Go Packers. And recently moved to New York City. Some background, I am on Team Mystic. Pokemon Crystal was my first main series game. I've been a listener since early 2006. Perhaps you don't accept requests, but I would like to submit Dawn Fan and or Fanfi for Pokemon of the Week. This is unless, of course, they've already been featured. Uh, have they? Uh, I'm pretty sure they have, yes. Also, did he say listening since 2006? Because I'm pretty sure you started in about oh, 2010. Oh, sorry, 2016, my bad. <laughs> Just seeing if people were listening. I don't know if we've ever done fan feed, but I'm pretty sure we've definitely done Dawn fan. But I don't remember what episode. Uh, number two is I've been elevated by the new field and special research. Um... In Pokemon Go, when I was in Wisconsin, I found it logically difficult to coordinate for legendary raids. Personally, didn't have any friends in the area that played. And even resources such as Discord and Facebook groups, it was never something I regularly found feasible uh, due to distance, time, work, etc. For this reason, I've yet to catch some special Pokemon on my own timeline. Oh, I don't know, that's not for this reason. I've been able to caught some special Pokemon on my own timeline. Uh, I can understand that Go is about the time and effort you put in, but to see others with 10 each legendaries and an inexplicable amount of time in their hands, it can be frustrating at times. They're deserving, they deservingly earned those legendaries, but research particularly opens a door for players such as myself for the long term. Thank you for all that you do. Brandon, Dawn fan, fan. I mean, that's cool, but there's plenty of people who, you know, cheat. At Pokemon Go, so <laughs> whether those legendaries have been uh, earned or not, um, you know that's that can be called into question. Uh, but also, right, there's all kinds of careers in this world, and not everybody's working an office job. And if you're not in an office job, maybe you do have more time for for playing Pokemon Go while you work. Those kinds of things. As somebody who recently just got two EX raid passes in Pokemon Go. Uh, I I think both are like one is on a Monday. Let me just double check here. I think one is on a Monday at 1 p.m. I know that for sure. And the other is on May 21st, also at 1 p.m. Is that a that is two Mondays? So a Monday uh, at 1 p.m. and then a Monday at the next 1 p.m. And those are amazing times for me as somebody who works at home. Um, I've I've seen people express frustrations of Monday at 1 p.m. because a lot of people have jobs. There are also a lot of people that don't have jobs. I think you can probably uh, testify to this, Will. Have you ever been to, like, a Best Buy or a grocery store, like, 
2 p.m. during like a Monday through Friday, there are a lot of people out and doing stuff. It's not uh, like well, I I never have because I I do have that regular office job. So, <laughs> wow. But like, it's not like it's a ghost town. But between nine to five. Oh no, that's true. That's true. And there are plenty of people who have non-traditional jobs where. They literally can, in the middle of their workday, stop in to like Best Buy or something like that to to pick something up. They're not chained to a desk. They're not expected to be in one fixed location. So they have more liberty to do things. Yeah, even when I had my nine to five job, I can get out and go. Uh, I would almost rather have raids during Monday through Friday than on the weekends because I feel like the weekends are already hectic enough to like then include a scheduled raid. Look, if there's one thing I don't want to have to do on the weekend, it's Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> Not shocking, but like, how do you have this much time? But also, it's just how you manage your time. It's it's very easy to make make time for things that you love. Uh, I remember when I was living with my aunt for like a month because I was waiting. I was in I was in between uh, apartments. I was waiting for my new apartment to open up. And I played a whole lot of Diablo, uh, Diablo 3 when it came out. And I remember when Destiny came out, I played a whole lot of Destiny. And I look back and I go like, how did I ever fit those into my schedule? Like, I felt like I was as busy as I am now. But I think it's, I think it's very easy if you love something enough that you will just make time for it. Well, I mean, you give up sleep because you don't have to be like so alert for most of the things that you do, as opposed <laughs> to me. I'm constantly in danger of wolves attacking, so <laughs> I have to be alert. Uh, we'll do one more he- email here. This is from William from Alta Vista, Virginia. I never heard of that place. Uh, I've listened to your podcast for about a year. So far, I've loved your podcast. Great work. On to the reason for this email. I recently dropped out of Magic the Gathering due to one of two two of my local card shops closing down, and the other being full of extremely competitive people who push all over the casual Magic players. I have played Magic for six to seven years. I've played Yu-Gi-Oh! before that. Sorry. Uh, I'm just kidding. I already know how to play the Pokemon game, and I would like to transition into playing that. However, here's my problem. I have a very small collection, and I'm trying to figure out what's the best way to expand my collection without breaking a wallet as I'm currently paying for college. Any tips to what to do or what to stay away from? There are no clear guides on what to buy and not to buy that I could find. If this helps, I will start playing standard first. I don't understand how rotation works in the TCG. Thank you so much, William. Well, I, f- I feel bad. I just looked up where Alta Vista, Virginia is, and it's too far away for him to come and hang out at the card shops up by D.C. because we got some pretty good communities around here. So that's Dang. disappointing. Um, is there a current budget TCG deck? Uh, well, uh, Forbidden Light just came out, so that's that's hard to say. We can talk about rotation first. I think it would probably be the best thing to talk about. Um, sure. So they usually rotate once a year, right? Mm-hmm. In August? Uh, August September? is correct, yeah. And then it's usually they keep all sets going back, I think, is it five or six sets? Sometimes they cut early, sometimes they don't. It uh, depends on how, how much it will affect the current format. 
Yeah. So, but I mean, whatever. It's it's usually around five or six sets are retained. So the five or six most recent sets are retained. Um, so in the regular game, you can only use cards from those sets unless a card has been reprinted that has the exact same text. Let me repeat: exact same text as the uh, older card. Um, so that's where you typically see like the. Uh, what are the the secret rares are frequently like reprints of older cards just so that they can stay in format and uh, they're secret rares they're hard to get but people do have the older cards and they can continue playing them but just remember if there's even one small change in the text no longer usable so, <laughs> so right now uh, the current format is Pretty much based on the Sun and Moon series. If you're an avid player of the games, it's actually really easy to jump in. You walk into a target, and you see X and Y booster packs, and you see Sun and Moon booster packs. Sun and Moon is our current game. <laughs> so you're safe to buy the Sun and Moon stuff. Now, the current actual standard format is Forbidden Light, which just came out a week ago. Ultra Prism, which came out about two, three months ago. Crimson Invasion, Shining Legends, Burning Shadows, Guardians Rising, and Base, Sun, and Moon. Now, those all, in some form, will say Sun and Moon on them. It's just that's what the set is actually called. Like, it'll say Sun and Moon, Crimson Invasion. The sets prior to that that are still being used actively are Evolutions, Steam Siege, Fates Collide, Generations, Breakpoint, and Breakthrough. We don't know what's getting cut come August. But I'm assuming everything I just let read there from the X and Y series, it's all getting cut. Break the breakthrough, breakpoint, generations, fake collide, steam siege, evolutions. The only one that I could possibly see not getting cut is evolutions, uh, because evolutions was a lot of reprints from the original original 1999 base set game with like modifications. So it was like, oh, this is the original artwork for Charizard, but. Uh, it's still a bad card, <laughs> but they like they increase the the HP and stuff, right? And the Correct, attack yeah. powers, yeah. Um, so if you're getting into the format, just buying anything Sun and Moon and up, you're completely fine, especially for the next like two years. Uh, and obviously, if if you're walking in and you're buying Forbidden Light right now, pretty much like any set, just think that it will have a two year expiration date on it. So you're good there. If you're trying to get into it cheap. Uh, look for results of any recent regionals. There's a mad. There's a the Madison regionals are coming up on June second. Uh, so by June fourth, you'll know exactly what decks won, which decks placed top four, which decks placed top eight, top sixteen. Look at those decks, and if you want to get into the into the game, just buy the cards for those decks. There are specific cards that will be included in every deck. Those are usually going to be Cynthia, uh, Sycamore. Skyla, maybe. Although Skyla might be... No, I think Skyla got repeat printed. Cynthia's like the main one right now. Most most decks run Cynthia. Ultra Ball. Most, I mean, every deck is probably running Ultra Ball. And... Lele? Do you need Tapu Lele in yeah. every deck? That's that's the one card that's like really expensive that you would need. I'm Every single current deck runs Tapu Lele, which is originally from Guardians Rising. 
So let me just l get a quick price check on Lele. I actually don't know what it costs anymore. It used to cost more, uh, but it could still cost. So while you're looking that up, I will say one other thing. If you really just want to be a casual TCG player and not not compete in regionals, whatever, just play TCG with your friends um, as like a game, uh, every year... Pokemon comes out with the World Championship decks, which I think are like the first and second place decks fully built, maybe third and fourth as well. They are not, you can't use those cards in competitive Pokemon, but they're fully built, fully formed decks with all the cards that the World Champions played. You can always buy those, sleeve them up, and just play them and have fun that way. If, if you want to like learn whether you actually like Pokemon TCG or not, the mechanics and everything, that's a great way to start just to find out if that's kind of the game for you before you start investing like real money into the actual game. So there are a couple Tapu Leles, which is kind of confusing. Uh, the one we're looking at is the Tapu Lele from Guardians Rising. Most decks run two minimum. Uh, some will run three. I don't think anyone's running four. But it is one of the most powerful cards in the game. It's a support card. Uh, not really an attacker, but it can be used as an attack in a desperate situation. But I'm not going to go into what the card does. But the number is uh, 137 out of 145. 155 out of 145. Or 60 out of 145. From Guardians Rising. There's another Tapu Lele from Ultra Prism. That's not the card we're talking about. The card from Ultra Prism is 25 cents. The card we're talking about that you will be playing for the next two years easily is about $52. And you need... Hey, at, that's not bad. You need at least two of those. Uh, three would be nice, um, but I've seen it as low as about $46. Um, Tapu Lele GX, 60 out of 145, ultra rare from Guardians Rising. Two to three of those is what you're going to need. Most other cards are pretty cheap. So if uh, if you look at the last regionals, I don't remember which which one it was, you can um you can just buy those cards separately whether that's cool stuff ink or troll and toad or eBay. Uh TCG player has Pokémon cards too. Uh Ultra Necrozma, which is one of the more sought after cards currently. I think most decks run about 3 of them. Uh it looks like they're going for about 24.99. And then most of those decks usually runs at least one or two Dong, Dawn Wing Necrozmas GX. Uh, and those go for about $10. Uh, oh, no, I'm sorry. Uh, $10 for full art. But if you just want standard art, it's 6 bucks. So most people use those because of the ability Invasion. Um, but yeah, you could probably, like, two Lele's, 50 bucks, three Necrozmas, 75 probably two Dawn Winds, 12 So... All the other cards are probably going to be anywhere between $0.25 cents to a dollar. So you're looking at like $200 for, quote-unquote, one of the best decks in the format. Um, but if you just want... There are budget competitive decks. That is not one of them. But on, on the high end, I think $200 for a Pokemon deck is not terrible, since all of those cards are also super, super brand new um, as well. But... What was Ray Eels was actually a really, really cheap deck back in the day. I think you could build that whole deck for about what, forty, forty, fifty bucks? Yeah, I think the only expensive card well, no, let's not get out of hand here. 
the Rayquaza EX and Baby Ray were relatively expensive. The eels were commons, um, which was nice. Uh, but then things like Catcher, before because it was before Flip on the mm. Catcher, uh, Pokemon Catcher, that was a pricey. But the thing but Catcher was, wasn't terrible, Paul. Right? Catchers were only uncommon too. But you only you yeah. were only getting one one to two TC one to two trainer cards a pack. But also the nice thing about the Pokemon trading card game is um, item cards like that and supporter cards you can use in all your decks. So you're only like varying out on the Pokemon and stuff like that. You'll you'll always have a core set of cards until they get rotated out that you'll include in your decks. Um, so it's it is kind of like an investment that you're going to hold on to uh, for a while. And if you're thinking about getting into the TCG, I would recommend downloading the Pokemon trading card game online on either your iPad or your PC or your Mac. Um, it's a free app. If you sign up for the Pokemon newsletter, every time they send out a newsletter, you get a free code there. Uh, if you log in five times in a row, you get a free pack. If you just play like one game a day, you usually get a free pack. There's a ladder that you climb that will give you packs and stuff. The actual game itself does not accept real money. You can use real money out of the game and you can go to eBay and you can buy a bunch of packs off eBay and then redeem those codes in-game. But There's no way to actually spend money in the actual PTCGO app. Uh, And if you download the app, there's some hand-holding. Uh, of course, because they're trying to teach you the game. So there is about a 35-minute tutorial of how to play the game, how the rules work. They're very boring matches. If you already are familiar with the TCG, you kind of just have to sit through them so they teach you. But the, the, the app itself, if you do not know how to play, it does a super good job at teaching you how to play. So um, that it's completely free. You can test if you like it without going to Target and spending, you know, fifteen bucks on a starter deck, and then hoping that your friend will spend a fifteen, also fifteen dollars on a starter deck, and then trying to fumble through the rule book. Um, a terrible, terrible starter deck that you'll never use any of the cards from. No, maybe some of the trainers, but I would I would suggest if you're very curious about getting into the TCG. Literally, you can do it for free, and I think PTCGO is a wonderful app. Uh, I think it does a really good job teaching. It's really generous with giving you free cards. It has a trading system that's not terrible. Um, and yeah, I think it's a very good place to start if you like Pokemon and you want to play a card game. All right, well, give us our Pokemon of the week. So I must say, I did select this Pokemon before we started recording, which has now become absolutely hilarious to me. This Pokemon is a blue-black eel-like Pokemon with a beige underbelly. Its round, toothy, leech-like mouth has red lips, and its eyes have small pupils with yellow circle patterning around them, as well as spots. Beige fins extend from above and below its head, and its body is decorated with three yellow spots on the side, which are actually its electricity-generating organs. It has a red tail fin that resembles a fan. This Pokemon is a vigorous carnivore and has a good appetite. Upon spotting prey, it immediately attacks and paralyzes it, then coils around it and shocks it with electricity from its circular electricity-generating organs before eating it. It dwells in caves and marine environments. 
Do you know what Pokemon this is? <laughs> uh, I would say, well, when you f- I, at first I thought electric, but I'm confident it's electros. Uh, no, that's electric. It is electric? It is electric. Oh, man. Which is hilarious because we, I literally pulled this up before we even started talking, and then you started talking about Ray Eels. Look at all Ray like, Eels. How prescient. Uh, the origin of electric uh, and its evolutionary relatives may be based on electric eels, lampreys, and possibly leeches. The fact that it is electric type may be an allusion to bioelectrogenesis. Yeah, I picked yeah. it up because it was black and white too. That's oh, why I, I picked it. Uh, some trivia here is electric and its evolutionary relatives are the only Pokemon with no weakness. Electric and uh, electric is the only member of its evolution line that learns moves by leveling up. It is also the only Pokemon of a second stage of a three-stage evolutionary line to have this distinction. So what that means is Tynamo cannot learn any moves. And Electros cannot learn any moves. So they learn no moves by leveling up. Right. Um, they, they can learn TMs. But I, I always found that very frustrating because you have to stay on Electric. You can't evolve it to Electros way later than you want to. Yeah. <laughs> to get that final like Zap Cannon or whatever. Yeah. Is, uh, it's well, I think it's in like movie. Sun and Moon, you can just use a heart scale. And as long as it's at that level, like you could evolve it early, but then level it up and then use your heart thing to give it the move, I suppose. Yeah, I mained uh, Electric Electros in my playthrough of White 2. So that was, it was, I, I like had an all snake team. So it was real torturous. <laughs> uh, and then Electric is the only Pokemon to evolve with a Thunderstone that was not introduced in Gen 1. That is super mind-blowing. I know. Isn't that weird? <laughs> What's its shiny? Oh, it's like belly is green instead of like yellow. Yeah. And I, I like, because I was looking at Zebstrika also, I'm curious because these are ones that have like, they, they like flash, the electricity flashes. And I was, I'm wondering if the electricity actually flashes a different color. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I I'm was, not sure. I think have we talked about this on the podcast where like the sprites had like so much more color to them, and then when they went to 3D models, everything looks a little more muted. Some people uh, like that, some people don't. Yeah. I maybe they'll fix that when they move the games to the Switch. Electros is cool. And for those hey, it's definitely one of my favorite Pokemon. Yeah. Normally electric Pokemon are weak to ground, but the uh the Electros line has the ability levitate, which means that ground does zero damage. So I suppose if you get rid of its ability, it will once again be weak to ground. Yeah, not only does it have the ability levitate, that is its only ability. There is no hidden ability at all. That's all it can know. That's pretty cool. It's a cool Pokemon. A little scary, though. <laughs> well, I think that will do it for our show. Uh, we should be, we should have Al and maybe even Rochelle back on here soon, as soon as we get back to our normal recording times, which seem to be on track since wedding stuff actually seems to be going well. Um, 
we finished the black into Nuzlocke on stream. So uh, the next goal here for Twitch, if you are a Twitch watcher, uh, is we're going to try to complete the black and white two decks, which is 500 and something Pokemon to get the shiny charm because it was originally introduced in black and white two. So that's the goal there. And I believe once you see all the Pokemon at the end of the game, they give you a shiny Haxorus. Somebody does. Uh, you go to a secret forest. Yes. Ooh. Um, so that's the next goal. And then that goal, then once we get all 500 and some Pokemon, I'm going to transfer them up to X and Y and then complete that Dex and then transfer them all up to Omega Ruby Alpha Sapphire, complete that Dex. Because if I get all the Pokemon in X and Y, I can't transfer them downwards. So you see the issue here. So I have to start with black and white and transfer them upwards. Uh, but that's the stream goal. If you want to watch twitch.tv slash pkmncast, I pretty much stream every single day except mon Sundays because we do the show here on Sundays. Uh, we're almost 800, re 800? 900 reviews in iTunes? I can't remember. Whatever the next milestone is, we're almost to it. I think it's 900. 900 yes. reviews. Yeah, we're um, by about 35 reviews away from 900 reviews in iTunes. So if you haven't done so already and you use an Apple device, would appreciate if you left us a review. Five stars, four stars. I mean, I guess, I mean, if you made it this far and you're going to leave us a one star, I, I applaud you on your dedication of sitting through 90 minutes of something you didn't enjoy. But if you did make it this far, I assume you enjoyed it. Um, to applaud you on that 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 time wasting dedication. Uh, but if you want to leave us a review, that would really help us out in iTunes. Uh, otherwise, Will is at washing the sink. I am at dragging a lake. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Pokemon Podcast. This has been another episode of the Pokemon Podcast, and we are super effective. Ooh, there's a lot of energy to that. Emanting from Alternate Cosma? Light emanting. emanating. Emanating? Okay, that's what I thought. Emanating. The latest expansion. Wait, no, oh, oops. The intense light. Light. Uh, em wait, emanting? Emitating. Emanating. Emanating. All right. It's Super Effective was created and produced by me, Steve Black Jr. Logo and artwork were also created by me. The music on ISC was created by Nicholas Burgess. If you enjoy ISC, consider leaving a review on Apple Podcast or just tell a fellow friend about the show. ISC is my current job right now, and I need all the support I can get to keep doing it weekly. If you'd like to support ISC, you can do so on Patreon. You can support me by heading over to ISC.cash. For as little as $2 a month, you'll gain access to our Slack community where you can battle, trade, and chat with other trainers. And for $5 a month, you'll gain access to our bonus anime podcast. A quick shout out to our producers of this show, 
which include Robert, Kevin, Mason, and Cygnus. Thank you all for listening.